Black who's going to go for it. Black for the one point to win the grand final. He's done it. Hello and welcome to a rather weird, unconventional episode of uh, Talk to the Box of Life, sponsored by Eclipse Energy. Um, we are in rather weird, unconventional times, so um, you can see us. Hello. Oh, you can give us a wave. Um, hello, my name is Mike Gate, if you ever want to know who the man behind Mike was. Um, and to my right, I can see, or wherever you can see him, is my fellow compadre, Rick Farrell. Good evening, Hello. good afternoon, good morning. <laughs> good day, it's daylight from what we're doing, as you can see behind me. Also from my range of Halifax and the League memorabilia you can see behind me. Um, this is uh, during the day, whatever day this may be, you don't know. You will do, but anyway. <laughs> enough, enough of the waffling, let's get straight into it. Um, firstly, by saying a massive, massive thank you to Eclipse Energy. Not least for sponsoring us, although it seems a bit weird the the, the sponsorship they've given us to get the equipment we can't use at the moment. So. <laughs> yourself? Sorry, 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 Nick and Mark. I'm on my phone. I've got that with my own money. I apologise, but anyway, we want to thank them. Not least for sponsoring us, but also for helping the club out in a massive, massive way um, during this time where obviously there's no games, there's no income stream. And um, as Dave Grayson put out in one of his media posts, said that they've given him a substantial amount of money. Um, so thank you very much for that, you guys. Rick, do you know any, anything more about that? Or? No, I just think that, like you mentioned, Dave put out the call and for them to answer it and uh, and come back in with the support of the club during these very testing times. Um, it's an uncertain world and not a lot of people are looking to sponsor sports clubs. So for them to put their hands up and say, yeah, we're still with you no matter what is, it's really admirable and we can't thank them enough. Definitely. We, we, we knew what class guys they were by like the conversation we'd had with them both virtually and in person as well. And, and obviously them giving us a, a substantial amount of money for us to get new gear and stuff shows what class that they are. But also for, they, they, they'll, they'll be going through exactly the same things. The income stream that they get will be greatly reduced in terms of like the, the boiler servicing repairs and stuff that they do, they can't necessarily do what they need to do because of social distancing and lockdown, all that sort of stuff. But for them to, to give the club, we don't know how much they've given, but obviously they say a substantial amount is absolutely amazing. It shows what amazing sponsors that they are. They are fans of the club and it, it just shows you know, what the community can do, really. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been good to see the, su- the support by all the fans. Obviously, sticking with the club, and I think everyone will be ready to go whenever that may be, and whenever we get the nod to start again. I think everyone will be raring to see a game again. But uh, obviously, you didn't want to bring it up yourself, but um, we'd go and miss if we didn't mention the reason we probably hadn't done a podcast like this beforehand. Mike's been recovering from COVID nineteen. I think you contracted it yourself, didn't you, Mike? And uh, yeah, <laughs> been rather unwell. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your experience? Um, yeah, without getting into too much detail, um, I spent a week in hospital. Um, got tested positive for coronavirus, CV19, whichever one I want to call it. Um, I thought it was going to be quite a quick fix, but I also contracted pneumonia as well, which is equally as serious. So, spent a week in hospital, really, really serious. If I'm not going to lie, but 
I've come out the other end. I've been home for the past just over a week, ten days. Um, it's going to be a long road to recovery. It's, I'm, I'm off work at the moment. I, I, I was still working during this lockdown. I'm off work at the moment, but they've been really, really good with me to take as long as I need. Um, and luckily, it's not as if I can do anything. It's not as if I'm missing out on any rugby to go to or anything like that. We're all in the, in the same boat, and that, that makes it a bit easier. But um, yeah, I'm getting there slowly but surely. Um, one thing I will say is um, thank you very much to all the policies, but thank you so much to the, the nurses, the doctors, the consultants, the staff at Caldwell Royal Hospital. Because if you want for them, I won't be here now. Um, so massive thank you to them, but also thank you to everyone who's sent messages on Facebook. I put a personal one out just to kind of show that it's not um, a press story or anything like that. It can happen to people that you know. Um, but I've come out the other end, and thank you very much for all the messages. Um, both while I was in there, obviously Rick, that you know knew I was in there. And, thank you for that and but also after i came out it's been pretty overwhelming and very very humbling the fact that um yeah that people 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 sent their wishes didn't have to i didn't do it for sympathy or anything like that um but yeah thank you very much for all your messages it, it means more than you ever know believe me it does because it's been a tough road to recovery still getting there but no thank you very much for that and Onwards and upwards, for the backs, and yeah, it's good to be doing this again. It's good to have you back, mate, and feeling uh, obviously get well soon. Keep keep building every day, and uh, we'll have you right as rain before you know it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. So, but enough about me. Enough about it's not all about <laughs> me. Uh, but yeah, it's all yeah, about the facts. It's all about the facts. Yes, and one one of the things that has been ace in my recovery, and also for everyone else, is the. Is the classic games the the the, the classic games that have been coming out? I've really really enjoyed watching that. Um, some have been slightly before my time. Some I remember very very well. Some not so well, but it's it's been great to actually watch Halifax games. Yeah, no it's, we've got to give a massive shout out to the guys that work at like Sky Sports and and all the the broadcast partners that have allowed us to do this. You know, um, obviously they own the rights to the. Uh, to the games and everything so they could have quite easily said no but it's quite exceptional circumstances and they understand the need that we have and and the obligation we feel to sort of try and help lift up people's spirits in any way that we can by yeah. showing a bit of nostalgia and and just giving people something to do because as we all know it's uh it's starting to bite now a little bit obviously yourself you'll be a few weeks behind all the uh, the antics that everyone's been going through with obviously your time in hospital. I think you're, yeah. you're three weeks behind on Tiger King or whatever it is. So, uh, oh caught- yeah, but I've, I've, I've caught up on all that. Don't you, don't you worry. I've enough I've enough time to binge Netflix, Sky, Disney Plus, all that sort of jazz. I've had enough time to do that. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. In what you're saying it's much needed at the moment, and the Sky to let. Um, of the rights to put on YouTube for now, so they're not gaining anything from it. Um, big rips of sky, they're not, they're not the as much as monsters as we all might have thought before. But, um, what the classic games did through, well, what I will say first of all is how much the games changed. Oh, you yeah. think of like even like I, I, I didn't think before 
watching it, that how much the game's changed. If anything, it's, it's weird, really, because you think of, today's game is obviously a lot quicker and faster and the guys are athletes and stuff like that. But what I found watching, especially the, the older games, like the ones from like 92, 93, 94, the, the Leeds and Warrington games, yeah. is that the game's quicker because there's so little stoppage. Is the, the, it, it just flies by because referees aren't talking to each other. Referees actually make a decision. There's no wrestling on the floor. That's a big point is the wrestling. The I, I think a lot of people might agree that the sort of Sean Wayne style of coaching, who's obviously, since we last did this, become the England coach, haven't they? I think we might have snuck one show in about Yeah, I think it's just been And Wigan were really good at the start of the last decade. They sort of revolutionised their right well it's a game of one percenters where can we find one percenters and they really focused on the ground game and they were pinning yeah. people down and I see I remember Tompkins winning a lot of penalties with balling and knocking legs around yeah. knees and things like that. So it's what's called the dark arts yeah. of of the and obviously Wayne was the apprentice to Michael Maguire and he brought it over from Australia. It was Melbourne Storm that completely revolutionised it in Australia. For, for better or worse, they found success for it, and that's what you do with rugby. But yeah, you're absolutely right about Sean Wayne. Sean Wayne took it to a, another level, really. And, but, and, but everyone everyone follows it, doesn't they? Absolutely. I think, as well, we watched today, there was um, only a, a game from 2000, so it's not that long ago, 20 years, and they were still letting the clock run when there are injuries and things like that. I do like yeah. that rule for stopping the clock and playing to 80 minutes so it builds the drama towards the end of the game. You know exactly how long you... You know, you wouldn't have the, the last-minute grand final winning tries and... No. When they, you know what I mean? So that's been a, a great rule change between the years. But it's one of those things, isn't it? How do you compare the year? They all say, oh, how would a 100-metre would a sprinter from 1964 into the finals of the current one, you know, it's, how can you ever know across the years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you mean. But like, would you say in Bolt with the, the science and technology and, and stuff that I was in the see. 60s, would, would, would he be able to, or like, think, or like people, it's, it's, it's the great debate, isn't it? Where, uh, the rugby league immortals, like, like say, your Arthur Beatsons, your Mal Realis, your Dally Messengers, whatever, could you plunk them in this era with all the, the, the science and technology and how athletes are? Would they still be great players? It, well, it's an argument. It's an argument you can never settle it. You can't settle it. But it just shows how much the game's changed. And um, even like before Super League, like all the muddy fields and stuff and, and like the kicks and the, the, the range of players and stuff and how deep defense, the, the attacking line used to stand and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's, it's been fascinating to watch. Like, I, I was a kid back then and it, I, I had this romantic view of it. Oh, it was so much better and stuff like that. And part of me does agree, really, because it's, it's slightly machine-like. Is the, It's kind of like a battle of the defences now. There's no yeah. such thing as outbacks. It's just going through processes and any chinky playing the offs, didn't it? Yeah. Whereas back like the likes of Paul Bishop, such a flair player 
and he's, 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 he, to, to put Paul Bishop in this era would be brilliant. I think he wore a few of those shirts uh, behind you, didn't he? He did. He'll have worn that one. And he'll have worn that one. Great. Unfortunately. Control there. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. that one. But yeah, some of, some of the, 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 the players that were on the show were brilliant. You forget how good they were. It just kind of shows why John Bentley and Carl Harrison were international back in the day. They were, they were absolute class acts. Well, let's get into it then, because obviously this is a facts podcast and we haven't got any games to talk about. So, for, what's the show going to be about? Let's let's get into it, Mike. We're gonna we're gonna focus on something. What are we gonna talk about? Well, obviously there was quite a few different teams that we've seen in in the games that we've seen. We've seen like Sheffield, Castleford, Leeds, Warrington, all that sort of stuff. Um, and Halifax have signed quite a few players from different clubs in the past, but. What we kind of decided on is if you could have one player from each Super League club from back in the day or even like now, uh, from, from from that time, who would you have? In their prime. In their prime, right. So, shall we go in alphabetical order and yeah, say Bradford Bulls? Now, my choice for Bradford Bulls is very, very controversial. I'm going to go for Robbie Paul. Or a bit hunter Paul. Mm. Because especially back in his pomp, I know the BBC put out classic Challenge Cup finals. The ninety-six final, it was where he scored the hat trick, he was just completely unstoppable. And you could say it was ahead of his time, really, in terms of his athleticism, his step, his pace, um, just what he brought to the team, what he brought to Bradford. Yes, the abuse used to spill from the scratching shed in the south stand, quite rightly in some, in some respects, because he's a Bradford player. But what a player he was. And his, long, his longevity as well, obviously started out as a as a, a wiry full-back coming over from New Zealand. He, went to, he then went into the halves. He then went into the hooking role when his legs started to go. But as, a, as an electric player, as a symbol of a club, but also, just as a man as well, as he's a, he's a brilliant ambassador for the sport, I'd go for Robbie Paul. Very good answer, Mike. And obviously, he's a bit of a hero of yours as well. He runs his own radio show. There's a bit of emulating there, isn't there? <laughs> Robbie Paul sleeps in my cake pyjamas. <laughs> he always used to get a nod from the scratch. He said he always used to give a bit back, didn't he? He always used to give a bit Yeah, back. exactly. Yeah, very much like, kind of like you. Well, like Mike Quantum, like like your Bobby Goldings are, I don't know, like your Neil Cowies used to give, used to used to give back and then give a bit back. So yeah, I don't I don't mind that at all. Who's yours? Then? It's something a bit lacking in the game these days, isn't it? I had a choice between two really. Um, the man on the wing were a menace in his prime, an ultimate try scorer. I can't pick Vinicola, but. I think he's he's a local lad, or he might have spent some time playing amateur rugby around these parts. Um, Great Britain international, but on his day, we're just almost impossible. He used to drag three men into the tackle, almost impossible to put down. Stuart Fielding. Yeah, mm. good and choice. Carries the ball well. We're never going to spill it. We'll get get into a bit of beef and stick up for his teammates when you needed him to. 
and like I say, any Great Britain international in a fat shirt would be a good thing. So, yeah, I'll go straight. Yeah. If I have to pick one for them, I will pick one that has some kind of facts linked to it. <laughs> yeah, good choice. When him and McDermott used to play against each other, it was box office slash pantomime because you just knew what was going to happen. You knew that they were going to scrap. It just depends how it would happen, really. I can't remember it's whether just... it was a, a good Friday derby or a cup final or something where I think I, I read in Barry's book that he said, I were going to take his head off no matter what first chance I got. And at the first scrum, I think there's a famous video where he runs in and he just absolutely clouts him one. <laughs> the ball or the, the legs, he just clouts him around the head and then starts giving him one and that's it then. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you can tell it's bad blood because Fielder just literally throws the ball down and just starts going. <laughs> um, it's a shame that, it, obviously, it, rather unfairly, if, if you ask rugby league fans about Stuart Fielder, they're obviously going to bring up the Willie Mason, Mason punch. Yeah. Knock him out. It's a shame, really, because before then, the, the five, six years before then, he was arguably the best prop in the world. Yeah. And he used to dominate. I remember the World Cup Challenge. I think it must have been 2004, after winning in 2003, they played West Tigers. It was just unplayable that night. And he just, he just used to bully teams. And he just gets lost because of that one moment, how good a player he was. I'll give an honourable mention, but like I say, he worked in his prime while he played at Bradford to Sam Burgess. Oh, yes. The young Sam Burgess in the facts ranks, that's that'd be something to behold, wouldn't it? Yeah, you can also say the likes of John Bateman as well. John Bateman. Um, I always... <laughs> so, let's move on to Castleford before moving on to Alphabetical Order. Yep. Now, classic Cass had some players in their prime. I'll let you go first this time. Well, I think I mentioned this to you earlier on um, in the day with, obviously, like I said, the cup game going on. One player I always admired, they've had some great ones. They always had a really good fullback and really good Great Britain standard forwards like Diesel were always a bit of a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But um, Danny Orr was one that I really admired that the couple of years that he had before he moved to Wigan at Cass you'd watch games on Sky every week and he'd just be winning games on his own, just willing yeah. his team and they'd be going to Bloody Saints and winning and, they'd, you know, just by a sheer will of, oh, this might work. And I love play- halfbacks that back their own ability and make things happen on their own. If you can score yeah. two or three individual tries a game, you can win any game against anyone. So, yeah, yeah Danny all would be mine. The, the chip over the top that he had perfected for a while. Back in the yes. day. No, good good choice. Really good creative halfback. You can tell he was a cast lad as well. He played with that kind of local pride kind of thing. Um, I'm going to go for another standoff, but someone completely different. It has to be Rangy Chase for me. Chase. Rang, Rangy Chase. Man of Steel when he played for Cass. Just a magician with the ball. Just He could win games on his own. It was boxed off if you You'd pay to watch my case. Well, cool does. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's, it's where, where they should have stayed at cast because they were beginning to build a team around him. And that's what he, he wanted. And you'd say things kind of went slightly downhill for your case after that. Um, but yeah, absolute 
box office and yeah he blew, he blew hot and cold sometimes but he was a match winner and you want match winners in your side so yeah yeah, I think the word I'd use to describe Chairs is maverick. It was a total maverick. You never knew yes. what he was going to get. And mm. when he wanted... Similarly to that, we had a bit of one of those kind of players a couple of years ago in Gaz Moore. When he wanted to, he could win you a game on his own. Yeah, That's why he ended up playing at Leeds in the junior ranks. Mm. But like you say, sometimes he just blow hot and cold. But that that's a great shout, Rangi Chase. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um... What's, who's, who's next alphabetically? We've not yeah, got. No idea. Let's work this out. Catalan? Catalan? Yes. Yes. Good, good, good English slash French knowledge there. Um, ooh. Catalan. Um, they have really, really good players from when they started and then they've obviously got your cup winning side. Um, In the prime? I, yeah. I was going to mention Stacey Jones, I think, played. I was, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of. As soon as you said Catalan, I think Stacey Jones. But, but this time, I think he was down under, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Depending ooh. on how controversial it is, what about Falau? Yeah, but he's not in his prime now, is he? Come on. That's, that's it, so. He's not in his prime now. His prime, his prime was when he got carried by George North in for. British Lions, but that. that's another story in another code. Um, if we're talking about in the prime, I would have to go for Thomas Bosk. Good shout. Um, is for, for a few seasons, he practically carried the Catalan team where it was a case of, right, we're not going to really perform the way, but where we are not going to lose our home games. And not necessarily as glassy um, or electric as the likes of Paul or Roggy Chase, but he just, it was a clever, clever footballer. He knew, he knew what he took. His, his kicking game, especially close to the line, were really, really good. Um, and again, utility player as well. He could play fullback, standoff. I think he ended his career on his wing. But yeah, if so, You've got to, if you think about Catalan, you've got to think about the local players that they've, that they've produced, the French players. And yeah, yeah, you know, typical kind of French player, really. So, yeah. I'm going to mention a player that was produced locally to where we're sat now, but he went through, he started out at a club round here as a young lad, got picked off when the certain club went through financial difficulties. That should give it away straight away. Um, and enjoyed <laughs> a spell of just. Well, I think it, it was the spell that got him a move to the NRL um, and got him an England shirt, ultimately. And that's second rower, Elliot Whitehead. Yeah. It was a four or five-year period where he went. He weren't really a star in the Bradford team as they were sort of coming to the end of their heyday. He went to Catalan, took the chance to go down there and play in another country, live in another country. And he just mm. built himself into a solid Super League pro. And every week he'd be getting through 40 or 50 tackles and getting on the end of tries. And like I say, it just to stand out in a team like that when, you know, they, they are enticing to the best Aussie players that can possibly be signed into the Super League. Because, you know, do you want to live in, no offence to any of them at Wigan, or <laughs> in Tranmere, or do you want to live in the south of France? So, Bradford or Catalan? 
Bradford or Perpignan. It's a tricky decision, isn't it? Then you go Perpignan or Cam Canberra, so yeah, and snowy. No, so back to Bradford conditions sometimes at year. Yeah, I know. I'm a very, very good choice. Uh, say, it was it was on the rise. It, it, it was just about fulfill his potential at Bradford. He's got a couple of tries against in the cup in 2011. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it, it came after um, another absolute legend of the game. Steve Menzies retired. And they kind of thought that the puzzle was, how do you replace someone like Steve Menzies? If, if it had been in his prime, Steve Menzies would have been the automatic pick. Oh, Steve yeah, Menzies absolutely. Absolutely awesome. But he, he even, taught, even at 48, when he was playing for him, he was still producing goods. But it was still, how do you replace someone like that? And they took gold at Whitehead. And unfortunately for them, they only got a couple of years' service from, from him. But once the NRL comes knocking, then... He's a very brave man to turn it down, and he's he's more than fulfilled his potential. He's 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 earned the respect of the Aussies down there, which is a badge of honour for Brits, really. Absolutely. Um, how's your quiz knowledge then? Who's next? Oh God! This is a quiz in itself, isn't it? <laughs> um, are we going all time Super League? Or yeah, we might as well. It's not as if we haven't got the time to kill. If you, um, if you guys at home will indulge us a bit. <laughs> um, so C, 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 D, 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 D. Anyone called D? No, Dewsbury haven't got up there. No, E. Huddersfield. Huddersfield. I think. We can always come back to it if we think about Huddersfield. Um, uh, you'll go first. Oh, good good question. Um, oh. Huddersfield, the best Huddersfield players that I've seen play against us in my time watching facts. There's been a few. I think um, I was surprised a few years ago when they played Danny Bruff in a friendly down at the Shea and he, uh, he spear-tackled big Mitch Kyle Lane and, uh, and put him <laughs> I didn't realise he had that in him. In him but um, Oh, that's a really good question. I'd probably go for... The fullback, and and I don't know if again if you class him as in his prime, because he does the fa you're talking about when you mention players and famous clips comes up. There's a famous clip of him getting ragged to death in a game in Australia. Ragged <laughs> as a cross. But, uh, but he, he pretty much got him to uh, a cup final one year. I don't think they won it. Um, I'd go Brett Hodgson. You want Man of Steel? He won Man of Steel. Um, I don't, was that the year when they when they won the league leaders? Possibly, I think so. Um, it was either when they got to the cup final the first time, or when they won league leaders. But he definitely won Man of Steel. There's been a few. I'm trying to think. There aren't many from back in the day that ring a bell. I mean, they had Bobby Gould in there at one point, didn't they? But again, was he in his probably, probably not. Yeah, Gary Schofield was playing good. Honourable mention as well. I really liked um, Connor when he was there. Jake Connor. Yeah, it was it was fulfilling his potential. It was beginning to become the player he kind of is now, wasn't it? Also, the other player, the Halifax lads. Two two facts lads, funnily enough. Um, Wardle. Had a really good season. He got himself a, a move, didn't he? So he did. Yeah, um, Joe Wardle. Yeah, Joe Wardle. Yeah. Um, 
I'm slightly biased on this one because I guess the busy mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jamie McGilvery is just absolute class, class as a player, class as a person, and ex teammate of mine. So yeah, anyway, anyone who who, who has that distinction is uh, definitely there in my book. But no, he, he, even even with a serious rugby league hat on, is uh, to say the journey he's had coming to, to, to professional rugby league and what what he's done and. Yeah, kind of a little throwback kind of winger to the likes of Vindicolo or Vicona and that. Just like an extra forward, really. And the amount of penalties that he wins and the finishing that he's got, but also the fact that at nearly 30, after a good World Cup and stuff, Australian teams want to sign. Very rare you get NRL clubs wanting to buy an English player the wrong side of his 20s. Well, they had, like, they had one international series where he was just a menace, wasn't he? We were a tri-scoring machine. I think he was sort of ruined a bit by Steve McNamara's um, system. Around yeah. But he had one year where he probably should have got more shouts for Man of Steel that year, to be fair. He had one unbelievable season where he was just, again, putting a team on his back and dragging them up. And any player that can score a try out and often you put a, a wide kick out, he can go up and get it and score for you. They win matches. Oh, definitely. And for, for your modern wingers, I think he became the best in the world at returning balls in in, in bad ball. You're like you're, you're, you're in goal to 20 metres. Coming either, out. Yeah, coming, coming out of bad situations. Either getting on the front foot and and getting the momentum for a team or even better with a penalty. He's... It was he became the best of the world at that, and yeah, he's again local lad. Even though he's on his field, it's only over hill. Um, but yeah, just a uh, class winger. He only just pips Danny Bruff for me though, because Danny Bruff again. You mentioned the word maverick. I do like a maverick. I, I like players who take chances and make sure it gets you on the edge of your seat. And Danny Bruff definitely did that, but. I'll be slightly biased and go for go for Jimmy Main. Not bad, not bad. Right, uh, Hull FC, I think, is the next one. Yeah, uh, yeah. If we're, going to, uh, if we're going alphabetically when they were Hull FC, but not Hull Sharks. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we saw the game from the other day, didn't we? Yes, oh. we did. Ooh, Hull FC. Obviously, about the they could be classed as perennial underachievers with the amount of money that they spent recently. Um, oh, that's a good, good question. Um, I'll jump in then. Go on then. Um, just, you can tell how respected he is. He spent a lot of time in Leeds, maybe. Some of his best years, but Gareth Ellis mm. is a player that I would mm. love to see in a fat shirt. Mm. Was he at his prime though? Are you challenging me on that one? Am I changing it? I'm going to change it. I, I am. Richard Horn. Richard Horn. Richard Horn. He, he played so well at halfback that year that he managed to get himself selected for Great Britain on the wing. How Blake Austin. You know Blake. Was that the year where they played Richard Horn on the wing and he was a halfback? 
played Paul Schoolthorpe at six when he was a 13. Forward, yeah. Yeah, and then... Andy Prop, who was a standoff, or loose forward. <laughs> I think they also played Leon Price on the wing as well after. He, 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 obviously, group was a, well, he started off at Bradford as a winger, but he was always a standoff. And I think they put him back on wing for some reason. But, yeah, the, yeah the, weirdly treated at representative level, but for Hull, it was a class act, Richard. Yeah, he, again, a match winner. I, I love players, like you say, that have got a bit about them. When derbies come around, they yeah. that's when they come of age, you know. And Richard Orn had a few games back in the sort of late nineties turn of the century where he just took a team on his back and dragged them up the field and made things happen out of nothing. And any player that's able to do that is worth the weight in gold, aren't they? So, or hopefully blew up by theoretically. But yeah. uh, you managed to think of one for yours yet? I have. He's just come to me now, which is weird because he's a current player. Uh, Danny Houghton. That just absolute workhorse tackle machine. I think because he's so good, and he's been like the top tackler for the last three seasons, three, yeah. three, four seasons. Obviously, you got to mention the cup final. Tackle, was it Tackle 59, where he dislodged the ball from Ben Curry? Which was the worst out of all. He made he made fifty one textbook tackles and one slip of the shoulder for that yeah. one nudge. <laughs> but I, I think his attacking play gets overlooked because because his defensive is so he's so solid. He does really well scooting out a dummy half and his distribution is just faultless really. I think because you've got and again, really lucky with the players that he's had vying for his position at representative level. He likes the game for a bit. Are you on the Houghton for England train? I would. Um, I would definitely have Danny Houghton in my 17. Whether oh, you'd have that in or not. I would have uh, Daryl Clark. Uh, Robert, no, Hodgson. I, would, I wouldn't have him over Clark. I'd have him over Hodgson. Interesting. Reason, because... Oh. For representative level, England need to play a different brand of rugby than the NRL does. Now, Josh Hodgson is brilliant in the NRL and he's, he's fantastic. He's done exceptionally well because I thought he was a pretty bang average player at Old yeah. Bay area. It was, it was a funny move when he went down there, wasn't it? It seemed to come straight out of left field, but they saw something yeah. that he didn't. The thing for me is he was the man when he first went down there. I think he tries to do that too much for England. And, and the thing about... Yeah. Playing at rep level, as you mentioned, is you've got to play as a team, otherwise, because they're going to do it. You can't have any yeah. individual superstars in an, a representative team. Well, the, th- the, th- the, the thing is with England, slash Great Britain, is if we try to play Australia, New Zealand, longer at their own game, we're going to lose because they're oh, so no, much better. Closer. You are? We're getting closer. Oh, are we though? That last... An ankle tap away. Yeah, but also we had the disastrous Great Britain tour where we didn't win a game or whatever. We've gone backwards slightly under... We went forwards under the backwards. Um, I don't think you can class that Great Britain tour as a proper tour. It was just picked as a prep warm-up tour, which I think we mentioned back back at the time, didn't we, how disrespectful it was to the brand, but... That's the story. Yeah, it's, it's but, 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 by the modern world, aren't it? 
the point the point making about Hodgson is he's so in because he's become the player he has at Canberra under the NRL style, um, he doesn't translate well to England slash Great Britain. And the way that we're gonna beat the Aussies is by playing a more British way and the combination of Clark and Houghton at Hooker, I believe better suits us. But again, I'm not Sean Wayne. I'm sure he has a much better idea than me. Um, next we hook out, what? Absolutely. Can we pick Scott Morrell? Well, that was my thought, but we've actually seen it come to life. I mean, there was one game that he had in a whole KR shirt. I think it was either the year they went up or the year after they went up, where they murdered us. I think it's still a record defeat in the club's history. I think it was 88-6, and he just yeah. his ghouls off. And It was the year they went up. It was, yeah, because I think he got nominated for Player of the Year for summit, summit for, for the National League back as it was then. But yeah, it was just absolute class. Was Another one, Ben Fisher. Again, we saw him in a fact shirt. That reality came through. Ooh. So these are getting, the options are getting shorter. And we did no research this either. This is totally off the top of his head. <laughs> this is off the cuff, but I think we can get no, away with it. I'm making a lot of notes. Um, I'm going to pick one just through instinct. Um, and it was kind of his prime before the downward slope. I'd say Paul Cook. Yeah. Very, very controversial transfer. Obviously, going from LFT and all, and winning up with them and stuff like that. But he was a he's an Eastall lad. He's, he's an OKR fan. And when they came up, it was it was the first year they came up. So he'll be partnering with um, there. It, again, class act, underrated player. I think he should have had more representative on us. Um, what he lacked in pace, he more than made up for in his public brain and putting people through gaps, sucking people um, in defence and also his kicking game as well. So yeah, that'd be Paul Cook. Mine's going to be like a hindsight thing because we did see him in a fat shirt, just not enough. The the player in his prime from whole KR that I would have loved to have seen in a fat shirt was David Hodgson. The Interesting. Winner. I would have loved to have would seen him you... play three games Scored four mm. tries and then got signed by, I want to say, Gateshead? Or did he go to Wigan oh, first? Wigan. Wigan basically did a job lot on us and they signed Hodgson first and then they, they bought Chester and Clinch. Um, the guts out of that team, we were threatening them so much they ripped the heart out of our entire squad. I, the- I always remember, just, just, just into I always remember in 98, like before Hodgson broke in, I did a Loose Socks Summer School with Tony Anderson. Um, I'd have been 10, 11 at the time. <coughs> and, um, David Hodgson was one of the like young academy lads that, that helped out. We probably got dragged out of bed and said, right, you're doing this. And they were really good. It was very, really good. But I always remember Tony Anderson saying, this guy is going to play for England, Great Britain. He's going all the way to the top. And he's going to think, Really? Yeah. But he did. There was one yeah, try, and I can't, I couldn't for the life you tell who we were playing. It were, it were a big side. It might have been Leeds or someone. 
knowing me, knowing us, it's probably Wigan and that's why they signed him. But he took a high bomb in one corner at the Shea in the bottom left-hand corner and went corner to corner, full length of the field. And we never had anyone who had any pace like that. They were gone. And you're thinking, blimey. To get that kind of separation. So, yeah, he went to OKR and... Another another player that seemed to rise to the occasion of beating your rivals, a bit like Scotty Morel does with Bradford. Um, but yeah, I would have... Yeah, yeah he scored that try at Magic Weekend, didn't he? Yeah. To beat all. I'm sure he scored another one uh, at the, whatever it calls itself, KCOM, FC, KR, whatever it's called. Today. <laughs> but yeah, David Hodgson would be my pick for, uh, for all KR. Are uh, you actually going to pick a player that hasn't had any connections to Halifax? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think back. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah to, like, it's it's the prime thing. I wish I would have chucked that in the prime thing now because I wasn't mm. clear, but I think he were better in Australia. So because if you have all KR, you've got Willie Mason who played for five games something daft. But again, well, Craig amazing. Hall, Craig Hall when he first started at KR were just yeah really skillful. Yeah, players. very much so. I'm a massive fan of Craig Hall, and it. I don't know what it is with him. I think he should be playing the Super League pretty decent level. He's, 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 an, he's a brilliant player, but there must be something about him which coaches don't fancy or clubs don't fancy. Because he's bounced around the leagues and stuff. Like, he even went to League One with Toronto, which is just when he should be, should be playing Super League. But yeah, but so did many others for the building process. So yeah, true. But I, I, I think decision. Leeds, I think, is next. Leeds. Um, have I missed you? Have my you 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 have my choice for that. And I'll let you. I'll let you explain. Oh, you can let me have it. Well, there was the the year nineteen ninety eight. Fax had a fantastic, fantastic team. As we just mentioned, that sadly the year after it had its hearts and guts ripped out. But um, the year before, we had a real chance of being one of the the two best teams in the competition. There was only one player that stopped us from making a grand final that year, and and it showed because when they didn't they rested him one week, we we nilled him massively at home, and when they put him in, every time he played against us, he was man of the match and won the game from Yestin Harris. Plus, class class player. He's a single-handedly probably the reason why the Bulls have had the demise. <laughs> yes, he just he just made it look so easy. It looked like he weren't even trying. Yeah, not even in at full pace either. Yeah, we just just yeah, it looked like he was playing at slow motion, and he had so much time to think of what he was going to do, and like it was just it was just a silky smooth player. And yeah, no wonder Wales brought the bank to get into the union and stuff. Nice. So yeah, classy player. I would have chosen him because he, he was it, this 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 is the this is the player slash club that prompted this kind of <laughs> topic really. Because we were talking about classic matches and Rick and I saw when you loved that yes, and I used to play for life. Like, oh, hold on, let's let's talk about this. Um, if I can't pick yes and Harris, I'd have to pick Kevin Sinfield. Yeah, because I I genuinely think Kevin Sinfield is in the top three best Super League players ever. Ooh, I would that put top, that three, top three. Because Sonny Bill's that's, two of them for you, isn't it? 
Yeah, he's not played Super League though. I'm talking. I'm talking about Super League, not rugby leagues at all. Because it'd be Sonny Bill Williams and Dave Lardin. But um, anyway, um, I genuinely think he's underrated, Kevin Simper. Underrated, underappreciated of how good a player he is. And people just think, oh, all he does is kick goals. One, uh, one of the best goal kickers ever going to the field. But yeah. the rest of his game, I, th- I think Barry McDermott summed him up brilliantly that he's not, he's not the fastest player in the world, but every other stat that you can have for a bleed player, his is, is, is rating is never below an eight. It can, it, it tackles, it can kick, it can, it's not dirty, it's, it's, He's, he's, he's a team player, he's a leader, he's just everything that you want for a rugby league player. What? You're um, giving him an eight for speed? No, apart from speed. Apart from speed. He's not exactly slow, but he's not going to win any under a meter race anytime soon. But again, quite similar to Paul Cook, what he lacked in pace, he more than made up for in his other areas. And again, versatile. He played so much at six, at 13. Arguably, he played his best rugby that I've seen play for him at nine for England when we nearly beat Australia at Ellen Road. I think it was 2000 and well, I think both nine, 10, 11. We he was playing nine and it was it was absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I, I just think he's because he plays for Leeds and because of the club and because of how dominant they were. I think he gets overlooked by how good a player he actually was, and quite rightly he got the golden boot one year because, again, people can play at the time. But no, I, I genuinely think Kevin Sinfield is is one of the all-time greats. I totally forgot about one as well in his prime. I think he's Super League's all-time top try scorer. Is up there, Danny Maguire. Maguire. Mm. Definitely, I'd say for the first three years, yeah, because. It was just electric. His pace to just beat teams. But I would argue that towards the end of his career, he probably became into his prime for completely different reasons. His last year at Leeds, but also OKR, because he became more of a proper halfback rather than a fullback in disguise. So Dan Maguire's strength was support player, wasn't it? Yeah. He was a support player and picking gaps. Really, he weren't an organizer whatsoever. He couldn't organize a bloody well, you guessed the euphemism, but it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was it was just a runner who, who, who again, Sinfield allowed him to have that. He took on the front of responsibility to let Maguire do what he did. So, yeah, you wouldn't have Maguire without Sinfield, <laughs> yeah, very true. Should we have a break? And I wouldn't mind getting uh, a wetter water, yeah, go for it. So we'll uh, we'll come back in two minutes. Hello, welcome back to another part of the weird and wonderful talking the facts of life, sponsored by Eclipse Energy, um, the different version, <laughs> um, the different version that you can actually see us. You can see my wonderful shirts, um, and yeah, we were. It's a, a weird off the cuff version because we've. That's about all sorts of stuff, but at the moment we are talking about players who, uh, well, clubs we've played against in the Super League, who players who played for them, who we'd love to have playing for Halifax in their prime. 
That's about right, isn't it? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. <laughs> it's good job there's no kind of caption coming yeah, up. Yeah, no, no research. <laughs> um, so we've, the... we've brushed over the ones that only played one year in Super League, though, so that rules out. Yeah, or players we, we can't really talk about. And Workington, I think it was. Paris and, and Paris. Paris. And Toronto and Celtic Crusaders. Yeah. So yes. that brings us on to London, I think. London, London. Um, only one candidate for me, really. Obviously, London have had some really good players. Martin Fire played for him. Sean Edwards played for him. Um, in not the in the prime. But yeah, but my my choice is Steel Wretchless. Because steel by name, steel by nature. Um, just a tackling machine. He had, I think he held the world record. Was it something like 64 tackles he did in one game, which people thought would never, ever be broken until the likes of Danny Houghton does it every single week. Yeah. And I think I think Nathan Hindmarsh broke it. When he it's a different NRL. game now. Completely, yeah, completely different game. But yeah, um, scored the try that got them to Wembley in the 1999 semi-final um, just, just a stalwart of, uh, I, I don't know if it was even his prime to be honest because obviously London back in the day had a lot of Aussie journeymen that came over but he played some outstanding rugby for him and he's, he's, he's just an icon for me I just remember as a young just thinking why me uh, how did he do all those tackles because he, he looked an old man then <laughs> yeah he, he had that really <laughs> old face didn't he um, not the best of haircuts, but we can't speak after a month in quarantine, can we? You have uh, no hair. <laughs> oh, you've you have no hair. I would have gone for uh, for Wretchless myself as well. So with him being chosen, I'll go um, Tulson Tollett, the man with the uh, awkward sounding name to some. Played <laughs> for Great Britain when he were at, mm. um, at London. Skillful player, quick, good with ball in hand. Mm. Proper surfer look didn't he if I remember right like proper blonde, yes one blonde hair like a surfer dude from Bondi Beach or there was there was one game he had cornrows in as well which is oh yeah, I, I'm sure Google it because <laughs> it'd probably be worth it but I'm not I'm not saying David Beckham was inspired by him but but yes he definitely had cornrows in one game Yes, I think he did some photo shoots with some famous people at the time of the Super League launch, or maybe I'm dreaming that. But no, I, I love that um, he was the real talisman of that really very first London Super League team that, that sort yeah. of together, and he, he managed to to do a few special things and end up on the highlights really at the end of the year. So I'll go Tulsa and Tolly. Uh, it was one of the youngsters back then as well. What it like? Obviously, London back then were filled with just journeyman Aussieman like. But still class play, likes of Terry Matson, Peter Gill, um, the other players. Uh, oh, actually, no. I'm going to change. Sorry? Tony Ray. Did Tony Ray play at London? Tony Ray, yeah, in the first season. I might change my answer, actually, because I've just oh. thought of one to stay on the, floor, on, the, on the hoof. Tony Martin. Oh, good shout. Centre, scrum cap. Yeah. Really good goal kicker. And then he ended up going and winning an NRL with Melbourne, I believe, after, after London. No, he's, he's going to be my choice. You can have still a retroless. I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like that. 
I'll accept that. I'll text the Oretchlers because I was going to talk about the cup run that he had in 99 when they made it to Wembley and obviously he scored the try in the semi and uh, it didn't go right from in the final. But yeah, he, he was a steal by name, steal by nature. <laughs> but yeah, Tony Martin for me, it was just a real classic, classic centre. And when the disastrous 97 World Cup Challenge where we had our backsides handed to us by... Super League Australia. One of the high points was London beating Canberra at the Soup. Yeah. And Tony Martin, I think, scored a couple of tries that day. And yeah, just just really, really classy centre in the in the likes of another centre I might mention later on. Again, our minds are changing all the time. Is it? And I think I think my mind is changing. Fluid game. It is. I like what we say on this podcast. We can talk about anything and everything. There's no script. There's no, there's no real structure to it. I've got a piece of paper with some sort of stuff on. <laughs> but yeah, not a matter for me. Next um, day, let's see. Club, club knowledge, who's next on the list? L, L, L. Who the hell? Obviously, we're missing out Oldham and Paris. That has to mean St. Helens. I think you've missed a couple there, alphabetically speaking. Salford. Yes. Salford. Yes. Good point. And mine is going to be a big Wrangley centre that always seemed to have a really good game against us. Uh, I think he he earned a move to a big big club at one point. Um, Nathan McAvoy. Ooh. Good choice. Um, really big, tall player. Probably, should, he looked more like a back rower than he did. Um, I thought you were going to say Scott Naylor when you when you described him, but Nathan McAvoy, yeah, really Nathan good player. McAvoy. I think he played for Emerging England around that time as well. But always seems to have a good game against us. He was a big unit. He were one of these types of players where he were a typical looking rugby player. He, he may be too tall or whatever, but he just seemed to make it work for him and, and he knew his position and I'm sure he always he always scored down that right hand side at the Willows I've, I've got a memory of that so yeah my choice uh, Nathan McAvoy too pretty to be a rugby player far too pretty to be a rugby player I can tell you it was a centre and not a prop put it that way um, I chose it <laughs> uh, my choice dead easy Jackson Hastings Jackson Hastings just absolute Class, um, and for Salford, who, who'd have thought that you know? Yeah, and I always remember like he came over with a really bad reputation of being an awful attitude, party boy, all that sort of stuff. And then when Salford played us, Halifax down the chair, and he just absolutely destroyed. And that, that's when I realised, like, hang on, we are nowhere near Super League at the moment. <laughs> nowhere near. He, he, he just kind of knew that there was a level above and he's just a, a quality player. And obviously, that was 2018 when we had our last run to the Middle Eights. And then, obviously, last year, Man of Steel, box office player, headline player, near enough to transcended the sport because of his personality and his social media stuff. Yeah, obviously human being, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And earned his big move to Wigan. Now it's a shame that the season stopped because 
who was just beginning to get into his groove because I think quite a lot of the critics were ready to jump on his back saying, oh, it's just it's Salford, it's, it's, it's too, too much for him. But it was him and Bevan French were just getting a really good partnership going together. But <coughs> I know one player doesn't, doesn't take a team to a final or whatever, really, but the closest thing is Jackson Hastings. You take Jackson Hastings out of that Salford team, they are nowhere near the grand final. Great shout. Mm. Um, Sheffield I've got next. Ah, Sheffield, right. It's a good thing you've got a computer in front of you. <laughs> I've got my phone. My, all, my, all my knowledge is recording me at the moment, so I can't necessarily just go like... I'm mm. like a total millennial now, Mike. <laughs> Sheffield. Um, i without my phone. <laughs> um, am I going first on this one? Uh, Please, I can do. You went first on that one. Um, Sheffield, for me, um, you can't look past Mark Aston. Yeah, good shout. Mr. Sheffield. Um, I can't remember if he got Great Britain honours, but he played for Ireland, I believe. And he ended up coaching Ireland. Um, yeah, classy, classy um, halfback. His kicking game was superb. His kicks to the corner there for the likes of Key Senior or Matt Crowder to, to play him. Um, Really, really set him apart. And obviously, the the the, the main fulcrum, him and Paul Broadbent, the leadership team that took him to the '98 Cup final. Well, um, I was I was going to choose Paul Broadbent and Johnny Lawless, but then you think again, we've actually seen it materialise, and we've actually seen him pull on the blue and white facts. So, <laughs> not so you much. you would choose them because they played for Halifax. You all you are doing is picking Halifax connections. <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to surprise you with this one, but you have actually mentioned his name. Um, again, another guy that played for Great Britain. I, I don't know, if, again, if he was in his prime necessarily, but he, he played well enough um, to get him a big money move. Was Keith Senior. It was a Great Britain international when he played for Sheffield, so I'd, 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 I'd agree with that. that. I love that. Uh, yeah, Keith, what, what a fantastic player, an absolute... Mm beast of a centre again probably a lad that could have played in the pack if he wanted to but he just had way too much pace and good good pair of hands did exactly what you want your centres to do line up your winger get your winger on the outside of theirs and try time it'd love to be a winger playing outside him wouldn't you absolutely mate absolutely um he always seems to have a good game against us for Sheffield when uh, you know obviously we'd have John Bentley and Matt Preston running up one end and they'd have Keith Senior coming down the other. So we'd win in the end. But um, yeah, put him into that team. Imagine him feeding ball out to Bentley or Boobie. Uh, yeah. Eddie or any of those. If he don't score a try himself, more often than not, he'd feed his winger or you like when he played for Leeds, Danny Maguire. Danny Maguire must have got so many tries just following him because it was a, a man mountain who just made so many breaks and then saved him, finished off himself. I think the whole the whole Leeds attack was sort of focused on getting senior free down the left, wasn't it? Well, when they won the first Super League title in 2004, their left edge was Lawatiti, senior, and Marcus Bay. Three absolute monsters. So, no wonder quite a lot of their play went down that side. Absolutely. Um, St. Dellens. And tell us, finally. <laughs> finally. Is it me first? I'll let you go first. 
You go first. Well, I, I always pick this one. I think he's, in my opinion, the best player that's played in Super League. Um, or certainly the most skillful for what he is. And it was just the one player that, watching back at the Shea when I was a kid, at the new Shea, as we've seen it called on some of these old... <laughs> See, that's just before we do this. How weird is it to see the Shea at different stages have been built up as well? Yeah, you know? uh, I remember the, the, the tiny little East stand. With the weavers behind it? Yeah. And every, yeah you're, you're right. Every, every single time, it's the new Shea, the new Shea, the new Shea. Just Shea. Just get on with it. Shea, but anyway, yeah, I'll take your leave of get on with it. Uh, Paul Schofield. <laughs> I weren't meaning that. <laughs> Paul Scuffop, Great Britain International, always seemed to play well against us at loose forward, skillful. Probably the archetype to, to some and, and an inspiration to the ones that came after it of the, the first receiver, loose forward, either taking your hit up or getting the ball out the back. He was an absolute expert at that. And and as as we talked about off air, any lad that could play for Great Britain at three positions, including one being a forward and one being a halfback is, is pretty special and have your best game in a Great Britain shirt playing at standoff, which isn't your position, I think is is a trait that most people would kill for. So Paul Scofforth is the St. Helens player I wish in his prime would pull on the blue and white. He was my choice as well, but I'm very kind of let you have that. Um no, I, not, yeah. You're the one that's under the weather. If you want to take these and make me think harder, don't worry about I'll, it. I'll, I'll play it sympathy for I nearly died, so I'm going to have this. Um, no, um, I, I'd have picked Skull Thought because, yeah, just amazing, amazing player. Um, for three, four years, he was just unplayable. And you mentioned the performance for Great Britain at six, first test at Huddersfield. It was, he, he destroyed Australia that night. I know the scoreline weren't necessarily that, that, that much, but he, he just did, and he, he completely outplayed Brad Fittler and Andrew Johns, so he's just a quality player. I was going to pick Sean Long for this until a little nugget dropped into my head when I was talking about Tony Martin in terms of classy Australian oh, went for the namesake. No, 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 no. I'm going, I'm going for Jamie Lyon. Oh. Not Tommy Martin. <laughs> Although Tommy Martin, Tommy Martin is high up on that list. Tommy Martin and Sean Long are possibly my favourite halfback combination in Super League history because they they, they complemented each other so well. They were both off the cuff. They were, they were just both box office, and they were yeah. they were absolutely brilliant. But in terms of a player in his prime, Jamie Lyon, the two years he played for Saints was outstanding he was I was unfortunately never got to see him play live and now if I didn't play against him at that time but he was just absolutely amazing and he was he was it, it is it's very rare that a player gets cast off from the NRL comes to Super League and then NRL clubs are clamouring for him to get back he went, he went back and played for Australia and New South Wales and all that sort of jazz after that and it was it was unplayable at times it was again we mentioned how good it would have been to play outside Keith Senior A.D. Gardner must have got so many tries off Jamie Lyon and he was a main goal kicker towards the end of his career he went and played six 
because of his footballing skills. Um, but yeah, Jamie Lyon just picked John Long for me. I mean, that 2006 Saints team is probably going to go down as one of the best that's ever been in Super League, isn't there? I think they've. Oh, there was just no, no, but they won the treble, didn't they? Yeah. And there was just there was just no weakness when you when you've got a team which has got Wellens, Lyon, um, Long, Scullthorpe, Cunningham, Roby, Wilkin. Yeah, talk about <laughs> abundance of riches. Yeah. So from St. Helens, like so it, Toronto, it's probably it Wakefield. Wakefield, isn't it? Hmm, that's a good one. Again? Um, I'll go first on this one. Okay. Uh, Adam Tanga. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. I love you, Adam Tanga, but unfortunately not winning this one. Um, I'm going to go for Danny Brough on this one. Oh, sorry? Danny Brough. Danny Brough. Danny Brough. Again, when's his prime? I think he's been pretty high standard for a long, long time as Danny Brough. He's played for God knows how many clubs. He had, he had multiple stints at Wakefield. Right? Yeah, he's, I, I think he started off at Wakefield, then went to York, then went to Hull, won the Cup at all. I think he went to Cass, and then I think he went to Wakefield after Cass. Um, but he's always been an international. From early on, Scottish international. I think he broke. I think he wanted to play for England. I don't think he was selected though. But in terms of uh, player halfback, he's everything you want from an halfback. Really, is his kicking game arguably one of the best in Super League history in terms of forty twenties or bombs in the air, the, the, the spiral bombs that he, that he puts up. Um, he's a leader. He's an organizer. Got a little bit about him as well. He's not he's not backward in coming forward. That sometimes is undoing really through the suspensions he's got. But yeah, I'm, I'm running through my brain thinking of fantastic Wakefield players, but I'm I'm sometimes getting a mix up because, like you said, there's so <laughs> many that have played for one, then played for someone else. So I'm going to say, depend- yeah, but they're not they're being the prime really. That's the thing. Well, if you talk about prime, I mean, I, I think he kept him up or he, he played for the rivals as well. I'll go Brad Davis. Mm, yeah. Played at Wakefield, had a, had a couple of really good years there. Would you argue yeah. Prime probably at Castleford, maybe, but he went there as a, as a veteran. He signed as a plug and play leader of a team, and, and I think he kept him up that year. And again, it was always that one player that seemed to have a really good game against us. Yeah. And anyone. Mm, really good halfback. Sticks in the mind. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit low down on Wakefield players because. Um, you could say Steve Prescott as well. Steve Prescott went over there and did, did a really good job, but was he in his prime? You That's don't really amazing. know. Uh, by the way, we're just trying to get the prime buzzword in so we can get picked up as a show on Amazon Prime out there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Google Jeff Bezos. Is There's Jeff always Bezos. listening. Yeah, Jeff Bezos, massive fan of the podcast. <laughs> um, speaking of nothing and everything at the same time, witness. Witness. I like you have that one first. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> if you've got one, 
Do I have one? Um, Witnesses time in Super League. Obviously, they um, went in ahead of us. So uh, that was kind of a bit annoying at the time of licensing and all that, but it might come in, but that's the story of politics. Keep, we just need to keep the game alive at this point. I'm going to go for a winger that um, seemed to always play really well every time I watched him. Um, I liked the halfback that they had. Um, that signed at Toronto, um, Mello. Mello. I thought he was a good player that was starting to reach England standards. But I'm going to go Patrick Arvan. The mm. uh, I think he was a goal kicker as well. Uh, again, always seem to score tries and you expect it from your winger. Always turned up on Sky as well. Always seemed to have a good game against the best clubs. And yeah, he was the one one name that really stuck out, stood out. Apart from the uh, what they called the silver-haired fox, Houghton. Oh right, yeah, yeah, second row. I thought he meant winger. <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with I'm going to stick with Patrick Arvan. No, good choice. Um, if we're going to go for witness players in terms of. When Halifax have played, I'd have picked McDanny, but he's not played Super League, has he? Um, I would have to go for Mark Smith. Then. Yeah. Okay. Um, play obviously played for Wigan first of all, then dropped down to play for Witness, and then he brought him up. Being, being Mark Smith, I think he was captain at the time. Um, rivaled when he was in. Championship rival Penkovic and Andy Ellis for being not just the best hooker but one the best player in the league. Um, classy player, like I say, you knew what you were going to get from him. He was he very rarely had a bad game, tackled everything that came at him, really good distributor, but he was a really good leader for him. Obviously, winners have had really, really good players before, the likes of you could say Julian O'Neill, Dennis Moran, um, Adam Hughes. Yeah, really was set for him before he signed for Halifax. Um, but yeah, um, and then you like your your more modern player. You you mentioned Mella, Tom Gilmore, obviously. Yeah, for an Halifax player. Um, but yeah, I, I would I'd pick Matt Smith. On that one. Nice. Alphabetically, I missed one because I put Warrington down as wire. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do Warrington now. Warrington wire. I could say Wolves possibly. Don't know. Hey, Warrington. Both have a consensus one on this. I'd be very surprised if we both we both didn't pick the same player. So, who who goes first on this one? I'll let, uh, let me have it. You let me have it. I've, I've let you. I've let you have a couple. If it's the same, I'm going to abandon ship and and uh, and pick some at left field. So. Lee Breers. Ah, oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. Definitely. <laughs> You just can't think of... You think of Warrington, but you think of Lee Breers. Breers for Britain. How... I'm very much in the Eddie Hemmings sport of how he didn't get more representative honours while playing. It, it, was, it was the classiest six. Obviously, uh, you, like the, again, rather than putting Breers in, who were a bit lightweight against the Aussies, maybe... Great Britain coaches prefer to put the likes of Paul Sculthorpe or Leon Price in there. But Lee Breers, in terms of unlocking a defence, his picking game, his character was just brilliant. 
Such now, a skillful player with ball in hand. Yeah, and he, he fits into the he, he fits into the topic of this discussion. Really, is a player that you you hate playing against, but you'd love to have playing for you. I'd have loved to have seen Briggs in Halifax shirt, but I used to hate him playing for him. It's a real smug, arrogant player to wind, wind your face that you wouldn't tear a punching kind of thing. <laughs> but an absolute class player. Um, I don't know. I've got I've got a choice of two here. I'm, I've got one for entertainment value, and then I've got one that I think would be a player that would help the team. I think for entertainment value, you couldn't go further than looking at Ben Westwood, just for the yes. for the brawls, for the brawls, and for the for the. But he's a great player, though. Oh, he can be great player. But he's play for England. It can be a liability. Play for England in a World Cup semi-final. And as we all know, the, the South Stand uh, faithful do not like penalty machines, so I will, uh, I'll brush over that. And I'm going to pick, um, I think he played centre um, in a bygone era. I'm going to go for the man with a great name, Toa Koe Love. Oh, no. No. I thought it were a great, again, always played well against us, always seemed to score that winning try at the zoo as it was back then. Hate him. Hate. Him. I, I never wanted him to play for Halifax. Just dirty. Third man in, cheap effort. Yeah, a good centre, but no, not for me. It's the first one I properly disagree with you on there. Really. Oh, I'll, I'll take you on on that. I mean, like you said, <laughs> Any guy that can score a try from anywhere. I seem to remember one game where we, we had the game sewn up and he made a break from his own 20 out of nothing and just. Any lad that can do that, I'll take the cheap shot in dirty Wigan style <laughs> antics um, if you can win your game from nothing. So <laughs> I'm not denying we're a good player. I'm not, I'm not, not saying that, but no, not my kind of player. And then this is the hardest one, isn't it, out of all of them, I think. Because <laughs> you're talking about great players that have played for one particular side. Although you found this one pretty easy, didn't you? Wigan. Wigan. Jason Robinson. Easy. Easiest, easiest one of the whole lot. But a player in his prime, Jason Robinson, was electric. The best player in the world. It was you, you just could not handle him. It was it was like in the Rangy Chase mod. It was box office. You would pay to watch Jason Robinson. His try scoring highlight reel is just ridiculous. Um, and the daft thing is, he did so much in rugby league. Before I left for a union, he was only 26, 27. He was coming into his prime. But again, when was his prime? Was it was it when it was 18, 19, 20? Or was it when he won the World Cup with England Rugby Union? But he was he's one of my favourite players of all time. And I would I would have loved to have seen him in a blue and white shirt. But absolutely I'm glad that I saw him in England. The Great British shirt and England Union shirt as well. Good answer, mate. Good answer. I'm gonna have to stick with me, uh, me bloodline, me family name, <laughs> and I have to go for the one and only Andy Farrell. Yeah. I mean, any lad that I think he made his first team debut at Wigan in an era when they were full of stars as a 17 year old kid, youngest captain of Great Britain ever, and another player that you just knew were destined for the top, a leader. Captain of England and Great Britain forever, every time he played. Had his best game in an England shirt at standoff. Ripped the Aussies to death in that game. 
Uh, yeah. Great Britain shirt, I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Absolutely one of the top rugby players that's ever been for me. Mm. Oh, definitely. I, I loved Andy Farrell as a player. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. Um, and he got my respect more. And I think more, more people... People kind of thought, oh, he plays for Wigan, it's not that good. He plays for an ace team kind of thing. When he went to play prop, when, a, when Wigan had a real injury crisis, and yeah, fair enough, he's six foot five and God knows how many stones and whatnot, but he weren't that sort of player just to take the ball in and just crash in. When he played that, and when he, when he broke his nose against Leeds, yeah. and then he came back on with that bandage over his face yeah he got so much a lot of people say Joe what fair play and yeah he was an absolute monster at 17 absolute monster of a player Um, a bit chubby a bit puppy fatty but obviously grew into it and yeah I can't can't argue with that at all I was going to pick Martin a fire but again I don't think you class that as a Super League era peak because you played before before that But, you think of the players that you miss, you, you say it's so hard. You like you like to Sam Tompkins, um, Chris Radlinski, yeah, Gary Conley. Yep, they certainly had plenty of stars over at Wigan. Well, that killed a bit of time, didn't it? It did. Is that it? I think that's that- it. Teams. Any more for yeah. any? Oh, can't think of any. V's. Wise and uh, news No xylophone reds. <laughs> Zulu Warriors, South African expansion team. Um, no, that, that's it. This very interesting debate. I like that a lot. Um, we'll finish. Know. We'll finish kind of on like what next? What next the season? What obviously. Certain competitions that formed by the wayside. The 1895 Cup was cancelled very early on. We found out this week that the, the Summer Bash has been cancelled. The Magic Weekend has been postponed. And definitely, no doubt, that'll be cancelled pretty soon. How do you finish the season? How do you solve a problem like this season? There is a lot of games left to be played. So that's obviously the main concern. Although I think the main concern, more than anything, moreover, and you'll be able to testament to it, is preventing anyone catching the virus and and making sure that everyone's health is priority number one. Mm. Um, I think first and foremost, if you're talking about completing the season, you've got to look at what do you prioritise? Do you do league? Do you do cups? You know what do you do? So I think first and foremost, in, especially in Super League, I think the loop fixtures are gone instantly. Yeah. I think, I, think they, should have, they, I don't see the point in playing them anyway, but I think yeah, totally agree. that's the most sensible one. Um, I would be surprised if the Cup wasn't cancelled as well. Um, but but se- seriously, I don't know how you do it unless you go into next season. I think the Ashes schedule for the end of the year is going to go because I think the NRL will... Every sport's in the same boat, aren't they? But the main thing is nobody knows when we're going to come back and when we're going to be able to to do any of this, even is, behind closed doors or with fans in the stadium or whatever it might be, who, who knows? I, I don't know. That's the, that's the, it's, it's the, it's the billion dollar question, isn't it? How do you, how do you finish the season? And like, you, you hit on there and then about unknown. Like, from what I've been through, 
it's the unknown of how did I catch it, what 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 happened next, can I catch it again, yada yada yada. It is it's one of those where there's no right or wrong solution really. Well, it kind of is wrong. I believe that what Gary Edrington said about playing three games in a week each week is just daft. Um, unsafe. Yeah, he's he's, he's player welfare. He's just he's just ridiculous. Fair enough. For the one week, if there's a fit to pile up, fair enough. I think most players would do that. But sustained, as as I mentioned right near the start of the podcast, the games change massively. These are athletes where they are having control car crashes numerous times a game, and to put that sustained pressure on the body. Again, a body that might have potentially been hit by coronavirus, that they might not necessarily have had it kind of thing. We don't know. I think it's just completely wrong and reckless and unsafe. Personally speaking, I think the only way that you can finish a season like this is play games behind closed doors and stream matches and stuff, which is awful because the sport is nothing without its fans, without people like you, me and everyone listening yeah. and watching this podcast. It's, but it's unprecedented at times. If they want the season to be finished, then I think that's the only route they go down. I think it unfortunately, I don't think the sport can afford to just cancel the whole season. Yeah. And it's, unfortunately, it means that the Challenge Cup has to go, which is a massive shame. I'm a big, big advocate for the Challenge Cup, but it's, it's one of those where it's the league's more important. The league is the, the bread and butter of league. league it could league. never have been more important as well because this is the final year of a TV deal. Yeah. We need to, we need to get games on to prove to the broadcaster that we have the same content to be able to hopefully get the same deal. We were talking off air, weren't we, about... Obviously, the world's changing so much and how these big media companies are now becoming more essential than ever to keep us entertained and stuff. So I'm optimistic that we will get a similar deal and that the sport will be okay. But yeah, that's as long I as would rather w- this season first. Yeah, I would rather have um, games played behind closed doors and streamed and have a weird atmosphere or whatever than the season to be cancelled. And I think the play is the lesser of many, many evils. And I think the players would agree as well. The players, like we've seen, we've kind of skipped a little bit, but the players that we've seen on the messages they've put on, that they've recorded for the, the social media and stuff, they do it, they're doing well, they're, they're, they're keeping fit, they're, they're homeschooled, they're doing a lot of sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, they want to play. They want to be back out on that field and play. And if they gave a choice to any any player in Super League Championship Championship One, whether you say right, the seasons either going to be cancelled or the rest of the games are going to be played behind closed doors, they would choose a second option yeah. every single time. I think what you've got to look at as well is depending on how long we're still to go on this lockdown and before things can can start get some kind of normality. Is you can't just go from nothing to right. We're going to play tomorrow night. Get yourself ready to play a full yeah. it's a rugby league. You need a couple of weeks to get you. So I, I'm more in the opinion that we're more likely to play a friendly before we are a league game. There's gonna be there's gotta be some sort of warm up game, but also the fact of the testing. They've all got to be tested. I say I got I got tested in hospital, so I was kind of 
lucky in that respect, but we, we've seen the slow rollout of tests being done for NHS staff, which is quite rightly should be tested first kind of thing. There's, there's got to be that safety aspect. It's going to be people who are going to be breaking this this lockdown, which is being put in. Uh, are they coronavirus? We, we, could, we could have a situation where potentially half our squad could be have, have coronavirus at the same at the time of these games and they, and they don't necessarily know it they get tested it's like right we can't play the game anyway because we can't raise a team yeah we just, we just don't know it's, it's it's such a weird situation but do you have any suggestions then because I'm, I'm i'm a bit at a loss to be fair until my 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 way would be once as a stay once this next lockdown is finished and depending on how the land lays uh, after that would be a preparation for playing games behind closed doors because it's the lesser of many evils. I don't like the fact of cancelling a season. It's just, it's, I, I believe it's just wrong um, in that respect. But health of the players and the public um, is, is a priority. But as I say, that would be my personal preference. It would be to play games behind closed doors, possibly weekly as well. And it's it's tricky for part-time teams. Super League, we've mentioned it before, they can play whenever they want. They're full-time, they they can can do on a Tuesday afternoon, really. They they don't necessarily, especially in these times where people are off work kind of thing, it's people can watch it kind of thing. But personally, I would, Put it behind closed. I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but I would, in in terms of a selfish rugby league fan, I would get played behind closed doors, the games recorded, streamed. However, but that is only if the players are fit and healthy. Good point. Um, and that's it. I think, isn't it? Oh, apart from what we've got to talk about, let's look forward, shall we? Um. This is the first kind of episode of this new, that dare we say, improved podcast because you can see our beautiful faces. Um, <laughs> <so>. but, <laughs> but because of that, it does make it easier to get guests on, to get players on, hopefully. When I say, Rick, you can use your connections there to, to, to get certain players on. Can live stream, possibly, we don't know yet. But any suggestions of what? Um, we can do going forward please let us know if we do get players on then we'll open up the questions to you guys to, to fire away and stuff um, but yeah this is this is this is going to be us for the foreseeable future whether or not we carry on um, recording it uh, filming it and stuff like that we don't know if you're a big fan of it great stuff but if not then we'll just keep it audio and you won't have to look at our Awful faces. I'll just duck, I'll just duck down. I'll just literally do like this, and then just like you see my mini shirt collection there. But yeah, no video. It master yawning, been yawning all the way through, <laughs> and, and 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 drinking water all the time and stuff. It's been a long day. But anyway, yes. it's good to see you, Hager. It's good to see you back in uh, in some form of good health. I'm sure everyone out there will echo that uh, sentiment as well, and and wish you well with your recovery, mate. It's, it's good to be back to some sort of normality and uh, it's good to see you two again. Um, uh, they, 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 I can't even get my words out. Thank you very much for listening, watching again. 
Thank you very Pod, much for Pod the time. Thank you so much to Eclipse Energy and those guys. Yes. We are proudly sponsored by them and we're proud to be associated with them. Nick, Matt Bannister and all the guys down there, keep up the amazing work that you're doing, not just giving money to the club, but also in terms of the servicing of boilers and heating systems and whatnot throughout. And all the other sponsors, obviously, that have, that have given any kind of financial backing, it's so appreciated. Let's keep this club going. Let's keep this train rolling. And everyone, yes. everyone at home, you're doing your bit as well by staying indoors, staying at home. Not spreading this thing. Again, Iggy will be able to testament to how serious this thing can be if you do catch it. So everyone's doing yeah. the bit. starting to get a bit fed up now, but hopefully we can just do a bit to uh, brighten your day and talk a bit of facts. Oh. Yeah, definitely. If you're missing your oblique fixes, it's more important than ever that you can listen to our, our expert opinions, our droning on voice and stuff. But again, thank you very much for listening, watching. Thank you so much for the messages again, for my time. Uh, and last of all, up the fat.